Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 61, Feeling Lost in Motherhood. Oh my goodness, I love this topic because I hear about it so much. I suffer from it. I always am making sure that I'm not getting caught down the vortex of losing myself through the kids. And I want to help you not feel lost in motherhood. And now when I say feeling lost, I don't necessarily mean with trying to keep up with all the things. I mean losing a sense of who you are, your soul, your being, your throbbing spirit. I don't want you to go through these 940 Saturdays, assuming that they're grown and flown in 18, and be done with it all going, what just happened? And almost having whiplash from it all. I want you to get to the end of the 940 Saturdays and just know that it doesn't end there. It just transitions into something different. I've been grown and flown since 18. I'm now 45. So I've been out of the house for a very long time, but I still feel very close with my parents. So I don't want you to think that it's the end. It's just like a butterfly. It just takes on a new meaning. But while they're in your four walls and during these 940 Saturdays, how do we want to show up? And more importantly, how do we want to show up for them so then they can show up for themselves when they're grown and flown and when they go and have their adult relationships and create their families of their own? Because right now there are apples in your tree and eventually when they're grown and flown, they're going to plop out of your tree and drop to the ground and then new seeds are put into the ground and then they create their own apple tree. Isn't that a beautiful kind of symbolic visual of knowing what's happening? And so the trees are always connected and they're side by side. But what do we want to plant in those apples? You know, I love the analogy, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And don't, I always say, don't worry about the apples as much as you worry about the tree. And you guys are the tree. And everyone who is in their life is the tree. And in that tree, what's in the bark? What's in the leaves? What's in the branches? Is it filled with the nutrients that you want them to absorb from you? Is it filled with love and abundance and kindness and confidence? Or is it filled with yelling and toxicity and stress and anxiety and depression? Is it filled with 50-50? You get to put whatever you want in your tree bark. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Because one thing that people tell me all the time that this podcast helps them with is taking the pressure off their shoulders to be perfect. The B minus work is so powerful because when you have the pressure off your shoulders to be perfect and to do all the things, then you take the pressure off your kids to do all the things and to be all the things. Because your kids, my kids, our kids, they don't want us to do all the things. They just want a tree that is filled with stable, calm, loving, safe energy. And they don't know any different. So they don't know if you're doing all the things or you're not doing all the things. And I think I've used this analogy before of when I used to have meet your teacher before school started. Sometimes I was able to get in my classroom super early and I would have my whole classroom set up and then meet your teacher would come Thursday at 3 p.m. and I'd be ready. And I'm like, hi, boys and girls. And then other times I couldn't get in my classroom as early as I wanted to because they always had to wax the tile floors or the linoleum. And so sometimes if I was the last on the list, I didn't have as much time to set up my classroom. And if you saw my classroom, it was like, a circus was going on in there. 
we didn't have any bulletin boards. So it was floor to ceiling that somehow we had to cover. And so I got the idea from my friend, Melissa, when she was growing up, her parents were in the army, so she was always moving. And so her parents would use liquid starch and put fabric on the walls as wallpaper. What? So when you leave the house, you just peel it off and it doesn't hurt the walls and fabric is not expensive. And so I did that entire classroom. It was floor to ceiling. So I got red, panels of red, panels of orange, panels of yellow, panels of green, panels of blue, and panels of purple. Crisp rainbow colors. Two panels on my wall, red. The next two panels were orange. The next two panels were yellow, and so on and so forth. I had bunk beds in my classroom. I had stuffed animals galore, bean bags. I mean, I can't even describe how vibrant and colorful that classroom was. And I used this little DIY project. I put the fabric panels and I pinned them up with tacks. And then I got liquid starch and a rolling pin and I went to town. It lasted for like 15 years. I'm not even joking. And then I just put border paper around the edges. And so I literally had red walls, orange walls, because obviously you can't paint your walls in your classroom. My classroom was like vibrant. So needless to say, the environment in which I set up my classroom was a little over the top. It was a little circus on crack. It was like a clown came to my classroom, got out a big fire hose of paint, and just went to town. Colorful, colorful, colorful. I actually showed up to school on the first day of school in a clown costume with the colorful wig. I'm not even joking. I didn't start the day that way. I don't want to scare them. But in the middle of the day, I'm like, I have a big surprise for you. So I just wanted them to know that it was safe and it was happy and all that good stuff. And I always told you that the first day of school, the first thing I would sit them down on the rug and I would say to everybody, I would look in their little sweet, little angelic, impressionable eyes and I'd say, boys and girls, I have very important information to tell you about this year. We're going to spend 180 days together and I have something so important to talk to you about that I need all your eyeballs and all your ears on me right now. And they literally, you could have heard a pin drop. When you change your voice inflection with that, especially when your kids are little, you have them on the edge of their seat. I could literally say, we are going to go now have a snack and it's going to be Brussels sprouts. And they would have been like, oh, thank you, Ms. Hutchison. So I said to them every single time, I said, I just want you to know that I am a very, very nice teacher and I will never yell at you. I love all of your hearts already. We are connected. We are meant to be together and you are safe and you are loved and you are valued. And that's all that matters. And we are going to learn together and we're going to have so much fun together for 180 days. And so then we went around and introduced ourselves. And so what I was saying about the classroom, sometimes I was able to get in super early, depending on where my room was in the schedule of the linoleum floors. And sometimes I was locked out of my room and they'd be like, nope, we haven't cleaned them yet. Nope, we're still in section four. You're in section one. So when I didn't have as much time to set up the classroom, I was not ready for Meet Your Teacher. But no one knew that I wasn't ready for Meet Your Teacher because it was almost like a movie set. Everything looked good on the outside. But I didn't have any of the names up. We just got our class lists. I didn't have any. But the parents came in and they didn't know any different. There was years when I was super ready and then years where I was super not ready. But it was kind of like when you have company coming over and you're throwing everything in the, in the laundry room, your company doesn't care whether your house is clean, organized, just like those parents came from Meet Your Teacher and they could care less. They were thinking about themselves and their kids. And is my kid going to be safe and loved in this room? Are they going to be valued? Are they going to be nurtured? Are they going to learn and grow and thrive and be a better version of who they're meant to be? 
not in my eyes, not in their eyes, but in God's eyes and who they're meant to be for their soul, having a human experience. Is this environment? Is this teacher? What's this all about? Are they excited? Like, that's all they were thinking about. They didn't care that I didn't have the bulletin boards completely finished. They didn't care that I had stuff shoved in my desk drawers that was almost unable to close the drawers. They just cared about me, my energy, and the energy in the room. And I say all this to remind you, and I'm always reminding myself of this too, to remind you that your kids are just like those parents that came to my classroom. They don't care about the house. They don't care about the errands. They don't care about baseball, softball, gymnastics, dance. They don't care about any of it. They just care about the environment, the energy, and do I feel safe? Do I feel loved? Am I going to thrive and grow in this environment? So my classroom four walls is the same as your four walls within your home. What is the energy that you're breathing out, the energy of the home? And what kind of energy are you bringing to the table where they're reflecting back to you that I feel safe and I feel loved? Because I don't want you to get lost in motherhood or fatherhood, because I see a lot of dads do it too, where you take your identity of who you are and then you put it upon your children and then it puts a lot of pressure on them to do or be in a certain way so you feel good as a parent. And I did this and I'm always doing this and I don't ever want this podcast to ever E-V-E-R, come across that I'm on my high horse and I'm not in the mix with you. I am right there with you. This takes daily mind management and daily recognition that I'm not getting lost in the kids or I'm not getting lost of who I am because that doesn't serve them. What is the best for the greater good? Now, when kids feel like they have a mom or a dad who's super enmeshed and codependent, then what happens is that they don't know how to be grown and flown. So then they're always trying to kind of manage our energy, manage our mood, because they just want, just like those parents did when they came to open house, they just want to know that they're safe, that they're loved, and that they're going to thrive. And that's all kids want. So when they feel this extra pressure to be and do and act in a certain way, then they lose a sense of who they are and they give up a sense of who they are to satisfy the relationship with mom and dad. But when we can live separate from them and not live through them, but live side by side with them, then they kind of get that breathing room and there's that space for them to kind of like figure out who they are in all this. And I always say, you have to treat your relationship with yourself like another relationship in your life. So if I were to ask right now on social media, let's just say I ask on social media, what tips do you have for David and I to feel like we have a close marriage? Just a super generic, super hypothetical, let's say we're about to get married. What marriage advice would you give to David and I? And we have a book of everybody who's at our showers, because I had like a school shower, I had a friend shower. I, everybody at all our showers, they signed a book and they gave us marriage advice. And so in that book, I read it all the time just to see. It's so fascinating to like look back. I've been at showers where I've signed the same type of book. And what's my advice? What's my advice? And the advice is always the same underlying current of you have to spend time for each other. You have to make each other a priority. You have to find out how the other person feels love and then love them in that way. So that's in a marriage if that you want to grow and thrive. That same idea happens with our relationship with ourselves. How do we want to grow and thrive in our relationship with ourselves? It is not through our children. It is not through our spouse. It is an addition to, it's a separate relationship. So if you go back and listen to the podcast about Saturn, defining your relationships, 
a lot of times we create Saturn and then we put either the spouse in the middle or we put the kids in the middle and then we go on the back burner. And a lot of times we're taught as a society growing up to be the nice girl, be the good girl, be kind, be sweet, be quiet. Think about how many times we're told to be quiet growing up, especially in school, like just play small. So then we have these beautiful souls that are given to us. And then what do we do? We put them smack dab in the middle and then we put ourselves on the back burner. But I am here to tell you that that doesn't do any favors for our kids because a lot of times we are told that that's the selfless thing to do. We are just telling ourselves and we are told that really good moms just go to the ends of the earth for our children. And we can go to the ends of the earth for our children, but we can also go to the ends of the earth for ourselves because for that relationship to thrive with our kids, we have to have a powerful relationship with ourselves that's thriving first. Not in place of, because a lot of people always want to rank it. It's not either or. It's having a good relationship with ourselves and having a good relationship with our kids. Do you see how sometimes kids don't want to be the center of that Saturn because they don't know how to live in the spotlight because they want to watch mom and dad first. They want them to go first, kind of show them what does it mean to have a relationship with ourselves? Does that mean always putting everybody else in front of them and you're at the back of the line? If that's working for you, then keep doing it. What I'm worried about is that I hear from so many parents, I mean, hundreds of emails that it's not working. They're at the end of the line and they're completely overwhelmed. They're completely stressed out and they're completely burned out on it all. So then they just constantly give up who they are over and over and over. And they say it's in the honor of love and commitment and being a mom. But it's kind of like from the kid's point of view, all of a sudden we're now going into this motherhood and turning it into martyrhood. Like, look at all I do for you. Now, what are you going to do for me? Versus having a relationship with ourselves that's strong and empowered and confident and loving, spending time with ourselves so that our kids see that. So when they grow up, they know how to have a relationship with themselves. Because if we're always putting everybody else first and we're at the back of the line, burnt out at the back of the line, if you're at the back of the line and you're not burnt out and you're not overwhelmed and you're not stressed, then you're doing it right because it's the energy in which you're going to the back of the line. But if you're at the back of the line and you're overwhelmed, you're stressed, your nerves are frayed, you're filled with anxiety, you're filled with bouts of depression, then it's probably not working for you. And I only know this because I'm not on a high horse telling you this. I'm constantly balancing it. So putting myself in feet, it's almost like that oxygen mask that they talk about on the plane. You have to give yourself oxygen first before you can give it to somebody else. And this is a daily thing. Some days I knock it out of the park. Some days I'm like, what's my name? Who am I? So think about the love that you give to yourself and the self-care that you give to yourself like a bank account. Your kids are going to be withdrawing from you all day long, and they're supposed to. The younger they are, the needier they are, and that is okay. That is part of the human experience because they don't have a sense of who they are. They don't have a sense of self-worth. They don't have a sense of self-esteem. They don't have a sense of their left from their right, so they're constantly looking, looking, looking. Mom and dad, mom and dad, absorbed, needy, needy, needy. And needy, not in a way that sometimes we think, oh, they're so needy, they want everything from me. When are they ever gonna stop? Instead of they're needy, they want everything from me. When are they gonna stop? And this is normal. This is completely normal because this is part of their evolution. This is part of their becoming grown and flown. And so when you spend the time allowing them to make withdrawals and doing it from a bank account that is filled with abundance and is filled with love and filled with overflow, 
then you don't feel so burnt out. But who makes those deposits into your bank account? It is no one's responsibility to fill up your bank account other than yourself. I'm going to say that again. It is no one's responsibility to fill up your bank account other than ourselves. That is our job. That's an inside job. That's when you know you're living your life from the in to the out versus the out to the in, where we expect the spouse to fill us up or the kids or the boss or the job or the shopping or the drinking or the whatever it is. It's always external and it will always be anticlimactic and will be like filling up a bucket that has 17 holes on the bottom. It's a never ending abyss that no one can fill up, even if they followed all of your manual rules, no matter what, because then the rules just keep changing. It's like the shell game. I need you to do this, 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 and this so I can feel a certain way. Then they do this, 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 and this. And then there's another shell. And then there's another shell. And then we have spouse and kids tap dancing to fill our bank account when it's not their job. You know what their job is? To fill their own bank account. And it's kind of like that podcast we did about whole versus whole. Our kids and spouse do not have to fill our H-O-L-E-S. We come to the relationship W-H-O-L-E whole. So then we allow them to come to the relationship W-H-O-L-E. So I asked on Facebook, I said, what are some reasons moms sometimes lose a sense of themselves in parenting? And I love the quote, who you were before you were a mom really, really matters because your kids need to know that you exist outside of them. So then they know how to exist outside of you. Because what happens is they just repeat the pattern and they repeat the martyrhood of getting to the back of the line and they don't know how to fill up their own cup first. So I won't read the names of who said what, but I thought it was very, very telling. And you can go on my Facebook. It was, uh, it says, what are some reasons sometimes moms sometimes lose a sense of themselves in a parenting? And I have a, it's like the pizza face masks, balloon kind of background. And so here's some of the comments. Feeling like they have to do everything and everything perfectly. Not realizing that self-care and doing things they enjoy are critical to being a good parent. Not having help or finances. This is so huge. Did you hear how she said about self-care? And so I want to clear up something about self-care, that this is a huge misconception. Self-care, there is a huge spectrum that fall on self-care. When we hear self-care, we think massages, we think facials, we think naps, or I do. When I think of self-care, I think of facials, naps, massages, nails done, toes done, things like that, things that are done for ourselves. And those are all fabulous parts of self-care. But self-care also comes in the form of not watching Netflix for eight hours a day. It comes from not being on Facebook all day. It comes from making our health a priority. When we exercise, there is so much scientific evidence, exercise, yoga, whatever floats your boat. When you do that, it literally releases chemicals in your body that are given to us for free. And it's almost like, think about lake water that's been stagnant. When we exercise, we mix up that lake lake water so it's not so stagnant. Because there's a lot of stress and anxiety and uncertainty going on right now. And so it's very easy for that lake water to become stagnant super quick. And so when we feel stagnant, instead of honoring and like, oh, what do I need to do? How do I need to spend more time myself? How do I need to talk to myself? How do I need to fill my bank account? What we do is we immediately put someone else in the center and just hyper-focus on them because it's much easier to sign them up for the things or fill out the paperwork or make the craft or do the DIY for them for a party instead of putting ourselves and doing that thing for ourselves first and then still doing that thing for them. Do you see how that's different from pulling from lack versus pulling from abundance? So it's not like you're first in spite of your kids. You're first and your kids are first too. Because I think a lot of times people say, well, if I put myself first, that's being selfish. 
And that's actually the most selfless thing you can do is to put yourself first, to put on your oxygen mask, to fill up your own bank account. Because when you do that, then you're able to pull from it and do the thing from love and abundance, not from victim, martyr, poor me. I do all the things and what do I get in return? Do you see how that's so much different? You can still do the thing, but your just energy around it is so much different. Someone said, time management. It's hard to justify taking time for yourself when there's so many needs to be met for everyone else in the room. Finding the balance takes time and is ever-changing. Doesn't make it impossible, just a learning curve. Such a good way of putting it. It's not impossible. It's definitely putting it as a priority. And when we put ourselves last and we go to the back of the line, everyone is cutting in front of us and we're in the back of the line with our hands folded, pointy lips going, what about me? What about me? What about me? When we're the ones that put ourselves at the back of the line. So doing things for yourself does not always mean the massages and facials. Self-care is, I think, really important how we talk to ourselves, first of all. And maybe that's because my love language is words of affirmation, but I am super, super critical of myself if I don't manage my mind. If I don't manage my mind, I beat myself up. I have black eyes all day long. That's if I let my mind go wild and I don't manage it. So I try very hard to manage my mind so my mind doesn't manage me. Because if I left it to its own devices, uh, no one likes me. I'm a loser mom. What are you doing? Who do you think you are? All that junk just keeps happening. So I don't beat myself up for it now. I'm just like, oh, I'm on to you, brain. I know you're trying to help me. I see you. I hear you. But we're not going to listen to you right now. We're going to replace that with some different thoughts. Would you want your daughter talking to herself that way? No. Okay. So we're going to, we're just going to change that. Do you see how that energy is not like, I can't believe I'm beating myself up. So then we're actually beating ourselves up for beating ourselves up. So we can be our own worst critic. And that's what the brain's job to do without managing your mind. Another mom said, putting everyone else and everything ahead of themselves. When they are taking care of their parents and their kids and they have to be informed about four plus people's lives and needs constantly till they don't remember their needs and wants. So when we're always going to the back of the line, we're putting ourselves at the back of the line, then complaining that we're back of the line. And then everyone else in front of us, we're like actually bitter at them. Like, I made you that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Where's my gratitude? Who's making a sandwich for me? Do you see how that energy can show up in your relationship? It's a belief that they're too busy. Probably watch their own mother, grandma, et cetera, do the same. And we can keep our own schedule packed with everything but me. Gotta learn to weave it in. Yes, sometimes we plan accordingly. You've listened to my podcast about how addicted to busy I used to be. I was so addicted to busy because it was almost like I was afraid to spend time with myself. I couldn't stand if there was an empty hour in our schedule for the weekend. It made me nervous in advance just thinking about it. Like, what are we gonna do from three to five? Because they're gonna wake up at two. And then, and it was crazy making because I couldn't slow down because I was afraid to slow down. Because if I slowed down, then I had to face myself. And I didn't really like myself. So if you don't like yourself, you don't really wanna hang out with yourself. So then you fill up all the voids and all the empty spaces with other people because you like the other people more than you like yourself. So that's why this is such a journey to liking yourself. Self-love, self-like should be spoken in the same sentence. And self-love and self-care does not always look massages and facials. A lot of times it looks like making your bed when you don't want to, going for a run when you don't want to, doing the laundry when you don't want to, and doing it for that delayed gratification feeling, having an organized house. Because a lot of times they say that the clutter in your home is actually clutter in your brain. So the way that your environment looks is a reflection of how you're feeling on the inside. And I know this to be true because when I had a lot of inner chaos going on and a lot of running and spending every single minute with other people other than spending time with myself, my house was like a boom, tornado went off. And David's like very much a neat Nick. So like that caused so much stress, I can't even describe. But it was just that I had too much stuff. I couldn't even organize it. If he gave me 10 hours to get it all organized, there's no way I could have even done it because it was just too much stuff. 
because I had too much clutter in my brain. So then my house was so cluttered. My closet was just like busting out the seams. We had all of my classroom stuff in the house. Like somehow I thought that I just need to create an environment for the house. So I treated the house and I turned it into this like mini preschool. And it's okay to have that in certain rooms, but it was in all the rooms. Our bedroom had book bins lined across the edges of the wall. All my Curious George books. And my friend Courtney's like, do you know you don't have to have reading books in your bedroom? Like that's for you and David. Like that's not their room. I'm like, what? I never even dawned on me not to have this house look like a preschool blew up. And that clown that was in my classroom that shot that hose of colorful paint was like my house. It was everywhere because that was my inner chaos. I didn't even know about conscious living. I didn't know about conscious parenting. I didn't know about any of this. I was like, what is going on? This is my home and it's also my preschool. Welcome to my preschool. I literally swear on a stack of Bibles. I could have had 15 preschoolers in this house and it would have worked out fabulous. I had easels. I had pocket charts. I had flags that I had in my classroom. Like you name it, I had it in this house because in my brain was so chaotic and so much clutter. So that's a little segue, but just know that the relationship you have with yourself sets the tone for all the other things. So I'm going to stop there, but there's so much more to say on this topic because it's so important. So stay tuned to next week where we are going to talk about part two of how to not be lost and get lost in motherhood, but to find yourself in motherhood, to figure out how you can coexist with your children and not become invisible because of your children. It is the greatest gift you can give to them. And we're going to talk about it more next week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.